Hi, this is Maggie. Hi, this is Jackson. And welcome to the Behind the Veil podcast. Our mission is to give off-the-cuff, authentic wedding planning advice because it's important for engaged couples to have a knowledgeable resource when embarking on their planning journey. Thank you guys for joining us today on the Behind the Veil podcast. Today is episode 14, and we have a special guest with us today, uh, Dr. V. And we're going to be talking about the importance of therapy in the context of engaged couples. So today we want to start off with Maggie introducing Dr. V and uh, then we'll go ahead and give Dr. B the floor. Hi, everybody. Hope everyone's having a great day. So yes, Dr. B, she is my therapist and I've been going to her for several years and I'm happy to report that my life has really taken great shift <laughs> thanks to all of her knowledgeable advice. Um, but no, on, on a serious note, I, I've, I realized the importance early on of premarital counseling or just, um, you know, as a family. And I, I keep insisting on how it's just immeasurable the, the results that you're going to get from it. And in the end of the day, how important it is. So we decided today to bring her in to share with us some strategies and some thoughts on for couples to learn about when they first get engaged, you know, where do we go from here? How do we merge our families and how do we merge each other? So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to her so she can talk a little bit about herself. In the previous episode, we sort of laid it out and we talked about all the nice resume stuff, but I want you to get it from her so you can really kind of feel the personality through her voice. So here we go. Hello, everybody. So my name is Bettina Lazzi Toscano, um, commonly known as Dr. B. (laughs) And I say that just because my name is kind of complicated to pronounce and usually people butcher it. So I leave it at Dr. B. As previously um, mentioned by Maggie about my resume, yes, I have a doctorate in counseling and marriage and family. I have a dual master's in marriage and family and uh, individual and couples counseling. I have extensive experience in the field of mental health. I've been at this for over 20 years. Um, I have a private practice in West Kendall, and I do a lot of work with marriage and family and individuals and couples. And I was very excited to be invited here to speak um, in this podcast about weddings, because if this one thing that I am passionate about is couples and their ability to communicate in this world. Um, We all speak and say that we communicate, and every problem I get in my office is that we don't talk, or we can't communicate, or he doesn't listen, or she has no idea what I'm saying. And we don't listen, and we can't hear each other. And I think as couples, especially starting out and wanting to build a life and join in marriage is going to be something that needs to really be understood, felt, and sort of opened up in conversation when couples decide to tie the knot. Um, As far as my experience with Maggie, how I got myself here, um, (laughs) Maggie was referred to me by a mutual friend. And um, I got a call from this mutual friend and said, I need you to see this person because something's up. And uh, she needs somebody to kind of slap her around a little bit because 
she's having some issues. <laughs> so I gladly said, please, I would love to meet her. Um, she eventually came to me through trying to get somebody else in to see me, but which was her son. Um, but her son decided that wasn't his time. So she decided, you know what, I'm going to take his appointment. So I said, wonderful, let's chat. Um, as we got to speaking, besides the fact that she's a wonderful soul, that came out immediately in the beginning of our conversation. Um, I could tell that the, the biggest issue she had was kind of getting over the fact that her marriage ended and the way it ended. And in our conversation since then, there's been a lot of um, enlightenment, I guess, from her own personal understanding of what happened during her marriage, what caused sort of the disconnection that happens a lot, honestly, in most um, couples from the beginning of their marriage to when they either decide to continue or sometimes, unfortunately, they decide to get divorced. And I think that that process has kind of helped her overall kind of be a better, more present individual in the current relationships she has right now. And that's the key, I think, to a lot of what we look for in, at least from my perspective, is understanding how you want to see your clients progress in that self-awareness. And I think that's a key um, component of it. Um, so we've decided to stay friends for life <laughs> because of it. <laughs> and I always look forward to seeing her and having a lot of conversations. That's very sweet. And I definitely look forward to our conversations as well. I can honestly say never a dull moment. True. <laughs> um, but I did want to ask you, so... As your patient, I can see where the passion comes from and I can see why you're so successful at what you do because this is, you eat, breathe, sleep, this. But when was it that you knew that this would be your lifelong career? Would middle school be a little too early to say that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to say that I've always been interested in in just human nature. Um, coming from a very strict Italian background and being the only female in a very strict Italian background with two older brothers that basically ruled the house, um, I existed in observation a lot. You know, as a, a female in that dynamic, you really are not given much sort of say in just being around anybody. Um, so I think naturally I was just curious. I was a very curious person trying to understand always like, why is this happening? And why is dad over there? And why are my brothers treating me like this? And where am I at in all of this stuff? So I think throughout just my life in general, I've always been a curious individual about how people relate and, and the concept of, you know, why they do what they do what kind of gets them to be in that moment where either they say something they don't mean or they act a certain way. Um, and so as I went through my schooling, I decided to get into psychology because that was the field that kind of discussed that. Um, when I got to towards the end of my degree, my bachelor's, trying to figure out where I wanted to go when it came to either continuing on with my education or in what field I wanted to go to, um, I started had my first experience with a family member who had a really, really, really bad relationship um, overseas because I'm Italian, right? So it was a family member in Italy, and they reached out to me. And I remember thinking, why would you do that? I'm still in school. <laughs> uh, but because, you know, if once you're in school, you're officially the doctor of the family. So um, I 
had to sort of put on that hat pretty quick and put all the skills that I remember sitting back and observing my parents or observing my brothers or observing their relationships or even my friends and thinking, okay, I have to like really concentrate right now and try to help these people out. Um, and in talking to them, because that's what it was, it was really just a conversation. I remember I got sent over there. My, my dad flew me back to Rome. Um, I had a conversation. I remember sitting there and just seeing the hurt and the and the misunderstanding that was happening between them that was so very basic. It goes back to a point we were discussing before where I could tell that the issue here wasn't lack of love. The issue here wasn't lack of wanting to be together. It was the issue of they could not stop enough to hear what was happening to the other person. And at that moment, that's when I said, I think this is it. I think helping people understand how to, like I say, pause. Pause in the middle of anything. Like if you feel you're getting upset, if you think something is stirring you in the wrong way, instead of feeling like you need to immediately do something with it, you know, learning how to just take a breath. And so I think it was that moment. And happily to say, they worked through it a little bit. They were young. Um, they worked through it for a good chunk of time. Um, they eventually did not stay together, but it was because of other stuff that was going on um, family-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that was the moment. That was the moment that I said to myself, you know what, if there's anything I'm going to try to focus on is human interactions and just the simplicity of getting people to really hear each other. And there's a very important component of that, and that's learning how to listen. Wow. So much there, so many questions firing off in my head. I love asking questions, so you just gave me so much to work with. But I think there is something that you said that stood out to me. You said when you were younger, you were in the home, but you were more of an observer. Um, Are you indirectly saying that you weren't the most vocal growing up, and now you're in a position where you are the like? Um, Can you unpack that for us? Um, I'd love to hear more about that. So uh, that's actually a good observation. Nice job. Um, So, (laughs) um, yes, it's been a one of, I think, let me break that down in a couple of ways. So I think, yes, my, my growing up feeling like I was more looking than being heard or listened to absolutely was a very difficult just existence, right? Um, So even in my own personal relationships growing up, there was always that challenge. I was always the quiet one. I was always the one that, you know, would just go to any party or social gathering. I'd just be in the corner and I would just sit and observe because I I knew what it was like to just exist under the radar. Um, So my my ability to have to finally hear my voice um, didn't come until I was pretty much in college when I started learning about human nature and all of that sort of concept of like having a voice and learning how to make sure that you said what you needed to say when it was something I never experienced. Um, And so in my own personal journey, it's been one of those self-awareness that I've had to do myself because I was like most teens, a very angry teen. Um, And when you're an angry teen that doesn't speak, there was a lot of held up anger throughout my adolescent years. Um, 
So I had to do my own work. You know, I also am a big proponent that if you're going to be in this field, you have to do your own work because I cannot try to pass on guidance if I have not experienced myself. That is my philosophy. Um, so a lot of work that I do with my couples or even my individuals is letting them know, listen, these are strategies that believe me, I've been there, done that. And sometimes, you know, you, unless you walk in your own shoes, it's, it's not just what we learn in books. Um, so being able to now finally have a voice, I'm very strong about teaching people to kind of connect the two. You can be an absolute beautiful person observing, but your eyes have a lot to say and you have to connect that to your voice to get people to understand what's really going on. If you don't, that's where we have breaking communication. So before we started um, recording today, we were having a conversation and we were talking about um, how beautiful weddings are and how beautiful it is that you're merging two families together. And yes, it's, it's a fantastic occasion and it's definitely something that's extremely memorable. But getting there is a process. It's not only a process of putting all the moving pieces together for your celebration, but it's a process of human growth. And it's a process of two people leaving one stage of their life and entering together another stage. But you're entering it together, but you're also entering it as individuals because you're each carrying however many years you have. Like you said, in, in your particular case, you were the observant. Well, you're bringing this into your marriage. So how do you make sure that in your marriage, your voice doesn't get lost if this is what you're always accustomed to? Right. So talk to us a little bit about, or, or maybe give some strategies to couples who just got engaged and are going to start on this planning journey. How do they learn to deal with each other and to deal with each other's families and their responses to their families? Because I think that sometimes we're more annoyed at that response that our significant other has towards their family, maybe not standing up for us, not putting their foot down for something that we know that is really important to them, rather than being annoyed with the family member who's the one who's starting it, because at the end of the day, they're not the one that we really have decided to commit our life to. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. There's a lot there. <laughs> okay, so hold on, let me get my thoughts straight. Um, I, I, let me start by this. I think that marriage and planning for your wedding is one of the most beautiful times of your life. And I also think it can be the most stressful, the most anxiety provoking, and the one where you see, like I say, the good and the bad and the ugly come out. Having said that, I think that we are in, a, in, in sort of the arena where you go to premarital counseling or they offer premarital courses or you go to, say, certain um, religious institutions offer that as part of, you know, being married in the church. But there was always one component. I remember even at least, I don't know if this changed up, but when I got married, that we did that same thing that I feel did not. And maybe not that it wasn't presented, but it wasn't presented in, in the most basic way where couples could really understand. And that is, yeah, got to like each other from the get go. And you got to learn to like even when you don't like them. And you got to be okay with not liking each other, period. Mm. Like if you can't learn not to like each other from the moment you put that ring on your finger and you expect that you got to be loved at a high standard all your life, we got to talk because that's not the way it works. Um, and we don't have that. We don't have enough of that. There's so much 
pressure to sort of have it a certain way and, and deal with how many people and how much money is in the budget and do we have enough money in the budget that we forget that you still need to talk about things. And in the concept of sort of just engaging in this stage of like happiness where, you know, marriage, because it's such a traditional union of families, everybody wants to be involved. And everybody, even 17th version cousins, <laughs> come out of the woodwork because they all want to be part of this celebration. They remember, you know, the couple when they were like two, the couple doesn't remember, but mom does. And mom wants that 17th version cousin to show up at that wedding. So, you know, the couples I deal with, I always tell them, number one, you have to learn how to breathe throughout this entire process. If you cannot take a step back and just when every every time you feel overwhelmed, you're just going to cause more problems. So I think in being able to sort of learn how to have your first argument, your first argument will probably be when you're planning your wedding or your second and third and fifth <laughs> argument is going to be during this process. It's it's that stressful. So I think a, 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 one of the more basic strategies is to just check in with each other on a regular basis in this process. Like if you know that maybe the your partner is the one that's taking the whole kit and caboodle and is doing the appointments and going to see the caterer and running to look at the the flowers and and you're kind of overwhelmed because you probably haven't even organized a, a dinner date, um, you know, you need to say that. You need to be able to kind of together sit there and be like, okay, we're going on this journey. We're planning this wonderful union. Everybody wants to be a part of it. We've got to decide how we want to manage that. So we need to sit down. It's almost like a business deal. Okay, well, let's sit down. Let's break everything up into different scenarios and let's see which piece I can handle, which piece you can handle, which piece we need to get other people to handle and allow. That's the other thing I think is give permission for people that want to be part of your day be part of it, but it's still your day. Sometimes you get a lot of families that want certain things and 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 then the seating charts and you know who's going to wear what color and how's the hair going to be and and then that gives a lot of stress because you start having arguments on petty things. So being able to sort of maybe set a weekly check-in whether it's, you know, over coffee, whether it's, you know, going to your favorite bookstore and kind of just having that conversation about where are we at? What do we still need? You know, what's going on? Or even if it's just like, can we get away from it so that we, I don't want to talk wedding today. Can we just take a break and go to the beach for a little bit just to remember why we're doing this? Right? We're doing this because I like you, you know, and I still want to be with you. I need this in order to stay liking you so that I show up the day I'm going to get married. <laughs> so I think that is, is, a, is a really important one. The other, the other concept, I think, of being able to have important conversations about boundaries and boundaries in relationships especially with extended families is a very touchy subject but if you don't put boundaries before you walk down that aisle those boundaries will never be set once you become married what we were discussing beforehand because the expectation of what marriage means is very gender specific so what happens in a couple when you take embark on being able to decide that you're going to start a new life is that you both are experiencing it very different. I'll take a standard regular couple. A, a girl gets engaged and all she's thinking about is, oh my God, I'm marrying the man of my dreams. A man gets engaged and he's like, I found the woman I want to build my family with. 
But a man leaves his home to start his own family. A woman leaves her home to be with her man. And that does not eliminate the fact that she's still emotionally attached to her family, which is the biggest difficulty most women have when they do get married, is disconnecting emotionally from their roles in their family, while a man is like, see ya, starting my life, <laughs> I'll see you in a couple of months, you know, where a man gets excited because now it's going to be his domain, right, his sort of uh, wife, whatever that's going to look like, the, the things you're going to do together, what you're going to build, and, and it's very different. And men and women do not discuss that difference. Part of it is because they don't realize that's kind of what pulls you, but that's where the ripple effect of what happens afterwards in that stage transition can can start having issues, especially when you know, they're still wanting all your families to come in and you want to enjoy each other and you want to embrace them and, and let them know that you welcome them. And, you know, but there's still a very big difference between what you bring in as an individual and what your partner brings as an individual and all the layers that come with it. You know, I always, I, I use the example of a wedding dress you know the long train that you have well there she is but there's a long train after that and that ripples and all those beautiful you know veils is all the family situations that may come up in your in your marriage as you start so as I sit here I'm taking mental notes and I'm learning as I sit here and I heard you say something that kind of maybe like stop you said that you know, as a woman, she leaves her family to, you know, get married to her man and and be with her man. And you said that as a woman, she has to learn to disconnect emotionally with her family. Are you saying that she has to actually disconnect? Um, or is there like a capacity of disconnection that you're referring to? Is there a specific... Um, way to disconnect like what do you mean by disconnect i mean i know you know as a married couple you do have to set boundaries as far as you know maybe you won't talk as much or maybe you won't see me as much because now i'm in my own home but how would you unpack disconnecting emotionally for the the other side and and i'm asking because it helps me as a man as a leader to be more understanding and more patient because that is one of those roadblocks that I ran into and I'm like, I got, I've gotten to the point where like, I'm annoyed or I'm right. like, <laughs> so um, how could you unpack that as far as, you know, emotionally disconnecting from that side of the spectrum as far as the, the, the woman's gender, the female gender? I like that word unpacking. I'm stealing it. Is that okay? That's fine. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. I use the term disconnecting emotionally be, and I'm not saying like you never talk to, you know, you cut them off and you're like, whatever. Um, but for a woman, the emotional connections that they have with their family dynamic is really embedded a lot deeper normally because we're just much more of the emotional creatures of the bunch, right? Men are very structured to just protect and provide and go out and seek food and bring back, right? Uh, where women are much more the nurturers and the managers of relationships. Their primary relationship is their relationship at home. So 
the reason why there is the tradition where a woman doesn't leave her home until she is married to start her own home is because of that sort of obligation that is kind of embedded in what family dynamics creates. Then depending on your own individual history as a woman and the, and the types of relationships you've had at home, that can kind of, that's where the difference is. I think the beauty about men and women is how vastly different we are in how we think. And part of it is learning how to take a page from each book. So men are very concrete, very black and white, and we live in gray. Women live in a lot of gray. So when your your biggest issues are going to be that you see it way more clearly, and she sees all the versions of what could be. What do you mean? No. What if? Blah, 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 blah. And that is where the the disconnect can can occur. So when you say disconnecting emotionally, it's having the woman understand that just because we're not going over your parents' house every Sunday anymore, or just because I'm asking you, please, like, can we spend Thanksgiving? at my parents' house, or can we not spend Thanksgiving here and take a trip just you and me, that it doesn't affect you. And that is an individual process, right? As a man, all you can do is be patient, which, by the way, you need your entire marriage. Because as individuals, you're constantly growing and ever-evolving. You are not the same person you were last night, and you definitely won't be the same person six months from now. And just knowing that, you need to be patient, and sometimes we live in assumptions in our relationships. So I'm going to speak firsthand as the traditional woman who didn't leave her house until she got married. And one of my biggest challenges, especially because I was young, um, was the emotional disconnect from my family. It was almost something I was never able to achieve. And I think that when you become a mom... In some of us, that connection becomes stronger because all of a sudden, because you were raised so traditionally, the grandparents have to be such a part of the grandchildren's lives. So you almost just get sucked into that too. So as a woman, it it does become very challenging to kind of A, see the wisdom behind the disconnect and the idea that you are also forming your new family. It's, yes, the man's leaving to do that, but as the woman, you're part of that, and now you have to learn that you have to shed everything else that you're trying to maybe emulate in your new life, but not necessarily bring in in physical form. So it becomes a challenge because at the same time, you almost start resenting your significant other for even telling you that this is something you have to do. So all of a sudden, it becomes personal. Oh, but what, you don't like my parents? Why don't you like my parents? Have you seen everything my parents do for us? But how can you say that? But, oh, my God, no, I can't do that to my parents because what kind of a person would... So all of this starts coming and seeping into your marriage. And all of a sudden, instead of trying to work together, you resent the other person for even insinuating that this is something you have to do. And only, I think, years of wisdom and maturity kind of bring you back to understand, okay, this makes sense. Like, this is why we have to do this. It's not because he hates my parents. It's because my parents are now their own family and we are our own family. And so I think that's, at least that, that was my experience mm-hmm. in my marriage, that it was very hard for me to, to, you know, break that off because I think of maturity and because I didn't have the insight of having that premarital counseling and having that third person 
kind of come in and be understand the emotional side of it, but also be the practical one that I'm not going to resent because at the end of the day, they're not really a part of my relationship, even though they are. Right. So this is where I think the premarital counseling is so important, even after you get married, because it's going to help you understand the bigger picture and keep that bigger picture in mind and kind of go through these little stumbling blocks you're going to find along the way. Thank you guys for joining us today on the Behind the Veil podcast. Um, before we go, we'd, we'd just like to uh, give Dr. B the opportunity to share with us uh, why do you think it is imperative that couples not only get therapy, but they sit with a good therapist? And how can that change the outcome of their first three to six months to nine months of marriage? Are you in my head? Because I think we have a psychic link. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was just thinking, hold on, we really need to say this piece of it. Because I think there's a very misunderstood stigma behind therapy. And I'm here to try to clear that up very much. A lot of my work, I get people coming in saying, you know, especially my couples, they're usually already at my door with one person already out of the relationship. And I always ask them, you know, this isn't a lifesaver. You know, you have to see the process of marriage and taking a journey with somebody that you've chosen to take this journey with as a journey, which means that through thick and thin, storms, hurricanes, like bad days, good days, like there's always a possibility to reset a relationship. I'm big on saying press that reset button. That reset button will give you a lot more clarity when you can do that. So premarital counseling, therapy, I think what we need to see therapy overall is another health point check-in. So you go to your doctor every year. You go to your nail lady once a week. You go to your hairdresser every three months. Like You need to check in in your relationship with somebody that can be part of your journey and just be there as what therapy was comes from, which is the soothsayers and, and the wise, you know, masters of a, of a tribe that held the knowledge and, and was there only to impart it because they had all this information that they've gathered throughout their years. That's where counseling overall just comes from that concept. Now we've obviously made it much more of a stigma and you only go if you're crazy or if you've got major problems or you need medication, but really it should be taken much more as part of the overall emotional health. For me, emotional health is comprised of your mind, your heart, and your soul. And those three things you need a constant feed with. And if it's just coming in, I have couples that, you know, I may not see for six months, but they'll come in on a check-in every once in a while to be like, hey, how are things? And as you go through life, you become parents, you have a death, um, you get a promotion, someone gets fired. I mean, those are life events. So I think that the importance of maintaining a checkpoint in your relationship should be with a good guide, which is what a counselor can be. So I'm a big proponent. Obviously, it's my job, but you know, I just think it's an overall need in, in learning how to have a well-balanced, healthy relationship. And the better you get at being healthy for yourself, the way better you're going to be in the relationships that matter to you. And then when you continue growing in your relationship and you become parents, if you have a strong foundation as a couple, you're going to soar as parents. They say, take care of a plant, take care of a pet, take care of a baby, you're good. If you struggle in one of those three points, you know, you need to come in. All right. Thank you guys for joining us today. It was such a splendid episode and recording today. 
Dr. B, I want to thank you for taking the time out in your busy schedule, um, coming through that Miami traffic in the morning mm. to sit down with us. I'm happy we actually honored you with some coffee also, which is... A, is, a, is a, um, so we want to thank you for joining us, and um, we can't wait to have you again. So anytime you want to come on and you have something brewing... Like more advice. <laughs> And, you know, you want to share something new. Um, sure. I'm sure, you know, from now until the end of the year, something exciting will happen for you. So thank you for um, taking the time out to come with us. And thank you, Maggie, for inviting her and making that happen. Thank you guys for joining us today on the Behind the Hill podcast. We'll be posting more about this episode on Instagram, on our iTunes page. And we look forward to uh, spending time with you guys on the next episode.